Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's so good to be here. There you go, bro. I love your pastor. I know you love your pastor, and he's been such a friend and uh, for a long time, and I've gotten to know Hugh, and so much appreciate him. And all of you men that we've spent time together this weekend, I want to thank you uh, for just the friendship, and uh, you know, there's a, there is there's a song we sang back in the '70s. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. Some of y'all remember that, uh, and aren't ashamed to admit it. But uh, I'm so grateful for that. Take your Bible and turn uh, to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It has to be a great passage because you too wrote a song about it, right? It must be great, right? But it's a Psalm of David, and I love David, his story, and. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here this weekend with the men and to uh, share my heart and, and, and the, the faithfulness of God. Uh, one, the theme this weekend is kind of being gratitude. I'm going to talk about gratitude today for God's mission. We can be grateful that God has called every one of us to a mission that's bigger than us, that he can accomplish through us for his glory and for our good. We can be grateful for that. Um, but a, a, a kind of a sub-theme has been uh, God uses broken people because they're the only people he has, right? That's, that's who God has. And that's kind of been a theme. I want to talk to you for a minute about a guy named Victor. I love to read books. And Victor wrote one of the most read books in, the, in history, actually. Victor, uh, you probably read it. Some, this, some of you will recognize this. He was a, in a prison camp in Germany in World War II. And he suffered the brutality of that. And saw a lot of people die and often thought he was going to die. His wife and family were killed. And he ultimately got out and he wrote a book. Some of you know the book. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, he essentially said there, he discovered that no matter what, if you're in a prison camp, if you're going through difficulty, if your life is going well, you basically find meaning in about three different places. Uh, work that matters to you, work that that it's important or loving people like loving broken people caring for people or courage in a fa in the face of adversity and I thought how much that is true because that's what the scripture says the scripture says God saves us for a mission of showing and sharing the good news there's no work we can do better than that there's no nothing greater than we can do than help people know the good news of Jesus and uh, loving God, loving people, that's kind of been a thing we talked about this weekend. Caring for people that are broken. Caring for people that Jesus cared for. And then boldness to witness. Then the New Testament courage. We, we, we like to talk about having courage to stand for our convictions. And that's great. But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, their courage was about sharing the gospel. Not about just standing for their convictions. But it was about telling people about Jesus and about what he had done in their lives. And so Psalm 40 is a psalm of David. And David's been in a pit. You ever been in a pit? You're in a pit for one of three reasons. Either because you did something stupid. I've done that. Or somebody's done something to you. Or just because we live in a fallen, broken world with a real devil. Right? How many of you know the devil's real? Psalm 40, verse 1. I've waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry for help. 
He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay. He set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. Do you have a new song today? A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Eugene Peterson said, to be human is to be in trouble. Amen? Amen or oh me, right? We've done things we wish you hadn't done. We've suffered because of others. Either their intentional pain they brought to us or because of neglect. We, we know what it's like to live in a broken world. Parents, you've never had to teach your children to disobey you, right? They, they figured that out because we live in a sinful, broken world. We don't know why David is in a pit. Doesn't tell us. Maybe it's because of his sin with Bathsheba and, and his murder of her husband. Maybe it's because that's something he did. Maybe it's because other people hated him and there were people that hated him and there were situations from the outside. Somebody else did. Or maybe it's just because the world is, is, is just tough. We don't know. It doesn't tell us why David was in a pit. We know David was in a pit. Have you ever been in a pit? You ever know what that's like? And so I want to talk to you about how God in the middle of a pit, in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of circumstances beyond our control, God still has a mission for us. God still has a purpose for us. And David didn't say in the pit because God was not done with David. And he's not done with you. Listen to this statement. If you're here today and you're breathing and you know Jesus, he's got a purpose for you. He does. So if you've got a pen or pencil or lipstick or anything that will write, I want to give you a few things to jot down. Number one, God hears the cry of the broken. God hears the cry of the broken. Aren't you glad? Have mercy. We talked about that with the men. What are the greatest prayers in the Bible? There aren't these big uh, flowery, it's like have, have mercy on me a sinner. God deliver me. How long, O oh Lord? Those are, the, those are the great prayers of Scripture. I waited for the Lord. You see, your brokenness does not stop his mission. God hears the cry of the broken. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry for help. We love to be patient, don't we? No, we, we Americans, we hate pace, impatience. I mean, we hate to think about patience. I mean, you can Google anything. Y'all remember, anybody remember Bible drills? Y'all remember those? Attention, draw a sword. You don't have to do that. You just point and click and go to the verse, right? And, and while you got your Bible, you can check your fantasy football and you can check your son. Don't do it. Keep it on the Bible. We live in an instant world. Man, young people, when I was your age, I had to walk across the room to change the channel. There were four of them. One of them was fuzzy. Hello? Our phone had a cord. Go watch that old movie, Napoleon Dynamite. Lucky. Okay. We got Instagram. We got Instapot. We can microwave everything just about. You can microwave scrambled eggs. I am not going to I am going to cook scrambled eggs on a, in a skillet. Get off me. A guy named Schwartz wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice. And he talks about how uh, it's good to have choices, but we have way too many. And research shows us it's making us anxious and depressed. You know, uh, one, one famous study Six kinds of, jello, uh, uh, of jelly here, 24 kinds here. Man, everybody looked at the 24, but they always bought for the six. Too much, you know. You go in to buy a pair of jeans, got 27 different kinds. Bell bottoms are coming back, though. 
Let's hear it for the 70s. <laughs> hey, guys, listen to me. You can't microwave relationships. And you can't point and click your way to godliness. It takes time. It's a slow cooker. It's a Texas brisket. You don't instapot a brisket. If you do, I don't want to know it. My grandson Lincoln is five. He kicked his first soccer goal the other day. They live in Nashville, three hours north of us uh, in Birmingham. And uh, my, my son-in-law's mom, my daughter, anyway, Spring is her name. She's texted me. I went to two games. I went to Nashville twice, three-hour trip, took C games this, this fall. And it rained out both of them. But that's okay. I got to see my kids. But she, you know, it took her 10 seconds to video. She had me video and he kicked his first goal ever, five years old. She, it took her about 10 seconds to text it to me. I was so glad. I showed, I was out of town. I was showing it to everybody. Look at my grandson. It's not like being there. I would have gladly driven the three hours, sat out in the weather, and spent all that time and driven three hours back to have that one 10-second moment live with my grandson, right? Let me give you a newsflash. Life is not Instagram and life is not TikTok. Life is life. And it's deeper and it's more, it's harder sometimes, but it's more rich. David said, I waited for the Lord. He was waiting on God. He was trusting him. God's called you to a mission for his glory and for your good and for the good of others. And you say, but I don't know what that is. I can't figure it out. Wait. The Bible often says, watch and wait. We don't like to wait. We don't like to be patient. We want it soon. But God knows what he's doing. He's preparing things for you. Keep praying. Keep looking. And in the meantime, by the way, your mission is to be where your feet are. Sorry for quoting Nick Saban. I apologize. I'm in the wrong place. Anyway. But be where your feet are. That's not a Bible verse, by the way. <laughs> anyway, but it's good, good. Anyway, I'm moving on. You don't remember the pandemic? Y'all remember that? Yeah, we're still in it. My wife, Pam, she's, a, she's an ICU nurse. She, she spent 14 months in uh, COVID ICU. It's like a war zone. A lot of nurses have PTSD because of the, the, the things they face. Some of you here know what I'm talking about. It's hard. Remember the shortages? I know it's one thing to be out of toilet paper. What do you mean there's no toilet paper? What do you mean only two things are Clorox wipes? It's another thing when somebody's in intensive care and you're out of ventilators. Here's my point. Some of us act like there is a shortage of God's grace. It's like, well, there's enough for the people that are really gifted but not me there, there's enough of God's God's got a mission for people that are on the front lines but doesn't have a mission for me there is no shortage of God's grace and don't confuse God's delays with a denial God's delays are not his denial and God's being silent does not mean he is inactive or he is unaware David waited on the Lord Jeremiah was in Jerusalem when it was destroyed by Babylonians at the hand of God, they were his hand of judgment. 
There's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. I've never taught, learned much or knew much about lamentations, about lament. I've learned a lot about that the last few years. It, it is a biblical concept. There's a book in the Bible called Lament. I mean, there's a, there's a time just not to try and fix stuff, not to try and point and you click your way to the net, just to lament before the Lord. Jeremiah said this in chapter 3. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hope from the Lord. I thought I, thought I was talking about gratitude, right? <laughs> it's the Word of God. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Oh, if we could be honest in the church and really tell each other, what our hurts are, what our struggles are. But Jeremiah's not done. You, you know the next verses, but I wanted you to get the verses before those verses. He's in a pit. Verse 21, chapter 3. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. See that? I will wait for him. His situation hadn't changed. It was still ruins, destruction, judgment. But he had hope because God still lives. God doesn't take a vacation, folks. He doesn't take a nap. He's here and he is at work. You know, a pastor who was, uh, grew up in Louisiana and a uh, big guy and was totally irreligious, irreligious home, but interested in things of God, didn't care about things of God. And then his sister got saved and she started giving him Bible verses and he didn't know what to do with that because he just thought religion was kind of weird, wasn't interested. He graduated high school. Well, well, in high school, he, he had a baseball friend, a really good baseball player that played college ball and he would throw with him. So Dino would throw with him and that guy was a believer and he would talk to Dino. This guy's name was Dino. And Dino uh, went on to, to work with his dad that next summer. And he's working with his dad's, and in Louisiana, it gets a little hot, kind of like Houston. You know what I'm talking about? When I moved to Houston years ago, they said there are four seasons, hot, hotter, hottest, and Christmas. <laughs> kind of like that. And it was summer. He's sweating. Guy walks in. He's with a mission trip, doing service in the community. Starts talking to him a lot about the Lord. Dino's not that interested. And the guy said, hey, man, you look really hot. He said, man, I am sweating. You know what the guy did? He went and got a snow cone. Gave him a snow cone. Shared a little bit of his story about how he had come to know Christ. Left him a little card. Dino later read that card and came to Christ. He's a pastor today. He's over a network of, of church plants about 900 strong. You know why? Because a guy like Billy Graham came in preaching a great message. You think, I can't talk that well. God can't use me. You can give somebody a snow cone. Hmm? You can show God's kindness. God's got a mission for you. Keep waiting. Keep praying. Number two, God rescues the broken. God rescues the broken from the pit. He hears the cry of the broken, but he doesn't just hear. In his timing, he acts. Verse two, he brought me up from a desolate pit. Not just a pit. You know, it's not like a pit with, uh, you know, uh, uh, cable TV and, you know, uh, no, no, no. A, a desolate pit out of the muddy clay. God still had a plan for David. Your present circumstance does not predict what God's got for you in the future. And by the way, your past doesn't have to predict your future. 
And you were more than a season in your life. David was in a pit covered in mud, filthy, broken, helpless. Anybody like being helpless? We don't like to be, we don't like to be patient. And we don't like to be helpless. And right now, we may not like this psalm too much. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't want to be in that situation. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God has a plan for your life? How many of you believe that? If you don't, it's okay. You believe that? How many of you believe that God has a plan for your children if you have children or grandchildren? He does. And so does Satan. By the way, so do you. And so the battle is weeding out my agenda, what I want for my family, what I want for this or that, and and not listening to Satan because he is actively saying, has God said? The serpent is still hissing. And listening to what God says. And so David waited on the Lord and he waited for God and God rescued him. And when we get to the end of ourselves, that is the place where God could really begin to use us. Because some of us are too strong for God. We're too spiritual. We got too much going for us. We're, we, I mean, we've been in church our whole lives and we know the Bible and all that. Well, God can't use that. But he can use broken people because broken people have to depend on him. And broken people have no, broken people are a lot more likely to give God the glory. Got a, my, my pastor, our pastor back in Birmingham, uh, just the other day told us a story about how he, was, he grew up in a church, but he wasn't a believer. He was about 15 years old. And, and the first, what he called an authentic Christian, I mean, a, a Christian who had obviously really been changed and who talked about his faith was a guy in his high school named Kevin. And they were in a class together. He got to know Kevin, and Kevin was different. He knew something different about Kevin. And Kevin loved the Lord, and Kevin loved to talk about the Lord. And, 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 and my pastor never met anybody like that. But he also noticed something else about Kevin as he got to know him well. He walked kind of funny. He kind of walked like this. I know back in the day, we, we tried to walk kind of cool. But he wasn't doing that. He just kind of walked kind of different. And, and finally one day, Chris said, why, why do you walk like that, Kevin? And he pulled up his pants, and he had prosthetic legs. And he said, what happened? And Kevin said, well, well I'll tell you. When I was young, when my, my, my big brother and I were little, my dad, my dad beat us. One night, one night my dad got brass knuckles and he was just flailing us. And my big brother had had it. He grabbed me and we got outside the house and we ran and we just ran. And there was a railroad station nearby, a tra- train tracks. And we saw a railroad going by. And they, in that part of the town, they didn't pass real fast because they were slowing or they were speeding up, getting up speed to go to the next place. And, and, and we could run. He said, we're going to run. We're going to sit in an open car. We're going to run. Run! And they ran. And they went to jump to get on the train. And his brother was taller than him. He made it. Kevin didn't make it. And his legs went under the train and took his off, off about the knee. And his brother, of course, jumped off and got him, got help. And at that moment, they, the authorities discovered the abuse and got him out of that home. And they got into foster care. And, 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 and now Chris met him, I don't know, eight, ten years later. And Kevin didn't walk around going, man, my dad beat me and I walk with him. All he saw was a guy who had been changed by the power of the gospel. He had to ask him. So Kevin didn't go back and say, my life is marked by a father who beat me. My life is marked by a tragedy. He said, my life is marked by the God who lifted me up out of the pit. Changed my pastor's life. That testimony. You know that mission's an amazing thing. Sometimes God will take our pain and use it for the good of others. 
Chuck Colson spent time in prison and started prison fellowship. A lady lost a teenager to a drunk driver and started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. What have you been through that maybe could be, for the glory of God, useful to help somebody else in their journey, in their struggle for others? Hurt people hurt people. You know that? If somebody's mean to you, it may not be that they're mean. It may not be that they're mad. It may just be that they're anxious. You don't know what they're going through. You know, there's a little thing going around. I, don't, I started putting it on the screen, but I, but I forgot it. I'm, I'm EDD. Um, but it's got, a thing, it's got a line like this long. Some of you have seen it. It says, this is what you know about my story, and this is my whole story. The greatest thing the church needs today is empathy. Empathy says, before I make any judgment over you and your story, I want to hear your story and get to know you. And let's walk together through this. Healed people help people. One last thing and I'm done. God renews us for his mission. God renews us for his mission. Look at, look at the next verse or the rest of verse 2. He set my feet on a rock. A rock is solid. Jesus talked about putting your, building your house on a rock, not the sand, right? He made my steps secure. David didn't have security in his own, but in God he had security. He put a new song in my mouth. There's a lot in the Bible about new. Do you know that? I mean, John talks about a new birth. There's this, this talks about a new song. Jeremiah talks about a new covenant. Ezekiel talks about a new heart. Second Corinthians talks about being a new creation. Lamentations talks about new mercies. Revelation tells us God's going to make all things new. He put a new song in my heart, in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear. Notice what he said. He didn't say many will hear. Maybe he wasn't a good singer. I don't know. He said, many will see. They will see how God has lifted me out of my brokenness and made something out of me. And they will test They will fear. They will show reverence toward God and they will trust in the Lord. See, this is a, this song, these verses are about God. They're not about David. He turned, he heard, he brought me up, he set my feet on a rock, he made my steps secure, he put a new song. The more we focus on us, the worse life is. The more we focus on God and his greatness and his grace, we're, the more grateful we are and the more joy we have. Life's about that simple. Like I said, God uses broken people because that's all he has. Anybody ever heard of, I just heard of this, somebody told me about this. Kind of on my journey the last couple of years, a pastor in Alabama told me about a thing called kintsugi. It's Japanese. I'm not even sure I said that right. Anybody know what that is? It's pottery. It's broken pottery that they take and they put it back together. And you can find, find it online, just pictures of it, kintsugi. And, and a lot of times they'll use gold. And, and the new repaired pot is sturdier and more beautiful and more valuable than it was when it was originally made. That's what God does in the gospel. God picks us up in our broken pieces and puts us together. William Carey, the missionary, said, your future is as bright as the promises of God. Many will see. I wrote a little book uh, called uh, Life is a Mission Trip. Take it. I wrote a little book on gratitude. You read one of my books, it'll put you right to sleep. It's a, it's, it's, it's a definite cure for insomnia. I'm going to do an infomercial about that. Cure for insomnia. Read my... No, I'm just kidding. But I wrote a little book called Life is a Mission Trip. And in, in that little book, I talk about, you know, because here's the problem. We, we focus on how we're not adequate. If I started to ask you to tell me about your personal 
witness for Christ, you would immediately start thinking of the things you don't do well, right? It's our human nature. I'm not a good speaker. You don't have to be a good speaker. What are you good at? How did God wire you? How did God gift you? I talk about coffee. How many of you love coffee? Must have coffee. Man, I'm a coffee drinker. One year, only by the grace of God, I had the opportunity to lead several young adults to Christ. Every single one of them that year, we sat in a coffee shop. And I shared Christ with them. Because young adults are very comfortable talking. If you're comfortable talking to people in a coffee shop, that's a good place. Let me, give, let me be real practical because I'm a teacher. Put your phone away when you're talking to somebody. Research has shown if your phone's sitting on the table while you're talking to somebody, they're not going to be as open with you because they're waiting for your phone to buzz. Put your phone away. Just practical. Y'all like restaurants? How many of you like to eat out? My, my wife Pam and I do this. We'll, we'll ask the server if we can pray for him. You leave a good tip if you do that, and you be sweet. It hadn't happened often in my life, but on a few occasions, I've been able to lead servers to Christ. Not always in the restaurant, usually not. Usually, you work up a conversation, they'll, they'll start crying because somebody actually took the time to pray for them, and they want to talk to you more. We ought to share the gospel, Tim Keller said, in such a way that if people don't believe it, they'd wish it were true. How about this? Hospitality. How many, of you, how many of you love to host? You're the hostess with the mostest. Most people that are hosts, ma'am, I'm not going to bring you up on the stage, but, 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 but I want to ask you, are you real comfortable standing up in front of crowds talking to people? No, I didn't think so. Most, it's not all, I'm not a stereotype, but most people that love hospitality, and she'll never admit it again, <laughs> don't want to stand up here and talk to people. You say, well, I'm not a good witness because I, your best mission field may not be getting on a plane going somewhere. It may be your dinner table. And you just show your hospitality to your neighbors. How many of you love your neighbors or burdened about seeing your neighbors come to Christ? Get with some neighbors and host a block party. You don't have to get up and do a Billy Graham and give an invitation. Just get to know them. Build a relationship with them. Begin to ask them about their life. You know, the opportunities will come up for you just to tell your story. You don't have to have some brilliant gospel presentation you just tell them what Jesus like the man born blind I was blind but now I see people like to hear stuff like that because it's real so I just talk in there about different ways you can do everyday kinds of stuff in your everyday life as you as an everyday person can do things for the glory of God because we've made it like you got to be special well you are special because you know Jesus you're a saint that's enough he can use you if you're breathing, God has a mission for you. If you're in the pit, keep waiting. Keep praying. He'll lift you up. He'll put a new song in your heart. I met a man this morning that this weekend, God put a new song in his heart. You could see it on his face. You could see it on his face. God did something in his life. He told me this. You could see it. Matter of fact, they went out and did some work for folks, put in a fence. He went back later and power washed the whole, her. I mean, you can't help but do things for people when, when you've been changed by the gospel. Let me tell you this, and I'm done. Talking about hospitality. There was a lady years ago. She was a tenured professor of English at Syracuse University. That's not shabby. She's a, quite a scholar. Her name is Rosario Butterfield. She's also a lesbian in a committed relationship. 
This is in the days of the promise keepers. And there's something about promise. So her local paper asked her to write something about promise keepers. It wasn't very kind. And she got lots of mail. She had two stacks. Positive, encouraging from her community. And negative, you're going to burn kind of from the church community. But then she got a letter from a pastor in the area. And he didn't criticize her. He just asked some questions to kind of understand her story better. And she didn't know what the heck to do with that. <laughs> it doesn't fit. So she threw it away. And then she pulled it out. Long, long story. Very short. They ended up inviting her, he and his wife. And she agreed to come to dinner with them. They didn't share the gospel with her. They did pray before the meal because that was real life. And they didn't pray while we're praying, God, repent. Hey, get this later. But she said, she said his prayer was very vulnerable. He confessed his sins to the Lord. It was very real. And she was intrigued. And he liked to cook. And his wife liked to cook. And she liked to cook. So they, she started coming over every so often. And they would cook. And they, they built a relationship. One day she pulled up at their church. And she saw all these you know, she had all her pro, her world stickers, and she sat there and watched all these homeschool families, she said, piling out with 27 kids. I told you a billion times not to exaggerate, but that's what she said. Uh, anyway, she, and she's, she's thinking, these people have perfect lives. They don't, uh, they don't know anything about the, the hurt that I go through. And then one day, she went to Sunday school. And in that class, they didn't spend 30 minutes talking about how the Aggies got beat. I just made somebody mad. I got to before the service is over. Um, she said a young mom began to weep as she shared her heart that she had just had a miscarriage. And, and the pain and the struggle. And Rosario thought to herself, these people are just like me. They're not different. They have struggles. They don't live in this Narnia world. Ultimately, end of a long, long story, she came to Christ, now married to a pastor, <laughs> written books, you, you, you can get her story. Some of you, some of you read, how many of you read her book? Anybody read, read anything about her? She, she, I mean, it's amazing. Because somebody invited her to lunch, to, a, to, to dinner. You could do that. There's no compromise of the gospel of kind. You want to be different in this culture that is so offended and so outraged and so canceling and so angry? Don't be like that. Be kind. There's no compromise of the gospel to be kind. Be empathetic. Hear somebody's story. Your pastor did that for me. Your pastor, over a year ago, reached out to me and we just talked and, and we just walked together and Man, I, 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 I love this man. You're, you're blessed. He didn't ask me. He, well, maybe he will pay me 20 bucks to say it. But anyway, I'm going to say you're blessed. And you're blessed by Brother Hugh and these other ministers I've met. It's, it's a blessing. I'm, I'm going to pray. But I, I want to say to you this morning, if you are in the middle of brokenness, maybe there's some sin in your life that you don't know who to talk to. Don't carry that. I'm telling you, I know it will destroy you. Maybe you just feel like, okay, I know God used everybody else, but he won't use me. I've been that guy. I've been, I felt that way. God's hand is on you. Now, if you don't know Jesus, 
You can't know his mission till you have him within you and his spirit guiding you. So we invite you to trust Christ today. He's done the work. We don't have to do anything to receive Christ. We just receive the gift by faith. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.